Welcome to Clearview Community Church Online. We are one church with multiple locations that exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And as we conclude our series on prayer, I want to remind you that following Jesus in general, but especially prayer, it's a journey, not a guilt trip. So many of us struggle to pray sometimes, maybe because our brains are so busy, maybe because of distractions or, or situations or circumstances, or maybe we've never even been taught how to pray. It's a journey, not a guilt trip. And today I hope that this will help you take one step forwards on the journey of prayer. Now, much of what I'm speaking about today is structured off of the first session of a prayer curriculum called Practicing the Way. Practicing the Way is a discipleship curriculum that has proven to be incredibly effective at introducing and engaging people with spiritual disciplines as they grow to become more like Jesus in their own lives. And today, I'm also speaking from experience. I've been through the curriculum twice now, and, and today I'm focusing on their first session. It's called Talking with God. Now, for a lot of us, prayer is tricky. It's tough. We have to battle those distractions or battle the obligations. Sometimes we have a warped sense of what prayer really is and what it could be in our own lives. I think if you're like me, many of us approach prayer pretty sheepishly because we feel that we don't do it enough or we are bad at it. But again, faith, prayer, it's a journey, not a guilt trip. So today we are intentionally leaving the shame behind. Prayer, simply put, it's the medium through which we communicate and commune with God. And St. Teresa of Avila said that when it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. And now the disciples of Jesus in the Bible, they knew they didn't have it down because it's actually the only thing that they approach Jesus and then say, teach us how to do this. You see, in other locations of scripture, Jesus tells them that you will do this or you should do this or this or this. But this is the location where they see what he does and they ask Jesus, help us to pray the way that you pray. So we're presented with what follows the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. And this prayer is said across the globe for two millennium. It's a prayer of power. Now the first half is where we're focusing today in the Lord's Prayer because it speaks to what you believe when you pray. It's a faith statement. It's actually a theological stance in prayer when you state it or read it. So here's the context and the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've been rewarded. They've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts 
some translations say trespasses or sins, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So today what I want to present to you is the four myths of prayer and the four truths that bust those myths as shown to us in the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. So myth number one is that God is a dictator and a vending machine. And the myth busted, the truth, is that God is actually our Father. You see, the prayer starts out with a statement, a foundational and key statement, our Father. Why does it start that way? Because the God we come to is a God of goodwill and good intentions towards us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And Psalm 23, one of my favorite and one of the most famous psalms in our Bible, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What we learn from just these few passages and many more throughout scripture is that God is compassionate. He cares for us. He leads us. He restores us. He provides for us. The picture is a picture of a caring father with good intentions towards us. Now, some of you listening today, you have had a great experience of a wonderful earthly father, and that is such a good thing. But at the same time, some of you listening have had a different experience. And part of the prayer, starting with our father, is a reminder and a recognition that God is the father of all creation, including you and me. He meets that relational need that we need as a father, and he makes us his child. It makes space to be his child. It orients ourselves in prayer in the same way that a child approaches their father. If he's a good father, they approach him with freedom and with confidence because of his good intentions. Now, myth number two is this, that God is far away in outer space. And the myth, myth busted, or the truth, is that God is as close as the air we breathe. You see, the prayer continues, our father, followed by in heaven. Sometimes we think of heaven as this location with fluffy clouds where God lives, but it's also understood in scripture as the reality of God surrounding and existing within creation. Now the word translated for heaven here, it also can be translated as air or atmosphere. It's actually not far off, but rather it's close. And more to the point, the idea is that God is not far off. He is close. God is both powerful and holy and incredibly accessible. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. And Ephesians 2, verse 13, it tells us, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of of Christ. And then lastly, in John 15, 15, Jesus says to his followers, 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Do you see the difference here? The truth is that the relationship we have with our heavenly father is of closeness. Isaiah, Isaiah said it's close like holding our hand. And Paul writes to that church in Ephesus that we've been brought near to God by Jesus. And then Jesus calls his followers friends. There's a beauty in the Christian faith that many other worldviews and faiths do not provide. That the divine is near, that Christ has come. God is close. He's not distant and in need of convincing to come near to you. He is already there. And so now we look at myth number three. Prayer gets us things from God and it manages our problems. And the myth is busted with a truth that prayer is actually about our avenue for delight in God. You see, the prayer continues in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11 with hallowed be your name. So hallow, not a word we use often. To hallow something is to respect and revere it as holy. Now something holy is something that's spe special or set apart or wildly different. Tim Keller says that to hallow God's name is to have a heart of grateful joy towards God and even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. Now, this is found a lot in the Psalms. In Psalm 145, verse 1, it says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Now in Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, another beautiful psalm, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Now, New Testament historian and scholar N.T. Wright, he translated, hallowed be your name, as this kind of statement. May you, be, may you God, be worshipped by your whole creation. May the whole cosmos resound with your praise. May the whole world be freed from injustice and disfigurement and sin and death. You see, to hallow isn't only to revere and to respect. It's also to delight in the beauty and the person of God. Recognizing that he is so great, that he is worthy of praise. Remembering and declaring his goodness in our lives. Hallowed be your name. And this leads us to myth number four. Whatever happens will happen. But the truth is, that that myth is busted, and the truth is prayer makes a difference. See, the prayer that Jesus tells the disciples to pray says, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, prayer, it requires a realignment, a realignment of what we want and what we think is best to what we and towards what God is leading us to. You know, too many decisions, too many strategies, too many ideas and plans, they're implemented without simply stating, God, your kingdom come first and your will is done first here in my life. And it's hard to explain the how, maybe a bit easier to explain the what, that somehow God uses the prayers of his people. He hears them. He responds to them in his way through his power and timing. And John Mark Comer says that through prayer, we partner to bend reality in the direction of our Father's wisdom and his good intentions. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 shows us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it's a powerful verse on prayer. It reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then Colossians chapter 4, verses 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So why, why these verses? Because, well, it's because the New Testament picture of prayer is a picture of an expectation with an expectation. You hear that right. An expectation with an expectation. The New Testament shows us believers who are expected to pray. There's an expectation of prayer. And when they do, they come to prayer with an expectation that something will happen, that God will hear their prayers, that God will move, that God will engage with them in their prayers, and God will do something about their prayers. So how do you respond to our four myths of prayer being busted and the four truths? Well, here's the four truths again. God is our heavenly father. Secondly, God is close. Thirdly, prayer is an avenue for delight in God. And number four, prayer changes things. I think what it leads us to is a reminder that I shared before, that prayer is not a guilt trip, it's a journey. That we are continually growing in communication and communion with God. That we are not far off from the God who loves us, but instead we have been brought near to him and we can relate to him as a friend relates to a friend. So today, my encouragement to you is to take one step forwards in your prayer journey. Now, whatever that looks like, let it look like that. Maybe it's praying for the first time or something scary for many, praying out loud for the first time. Maybe it's praying with somebody for the first time, praying with your spouse or your significant other for the first time. Maybe trying a new technique or tactic. Today, let's take a step forwards together. And right now, let's pray the Lord's Prayer the way that the Lord has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today. God bless you. We'll see you next time.